On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Barry Manilow. Yes, Barry Manilow in concert. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair and on this special concert series edition of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friend Paul Zotter as we discuss his recent experience seeing Barry Manilow in Las Vegas. That's right, friends. All right. You, you heard correctly. You heard correctly. Barry fucking Manilow. This is the beauty of running your own podcast, Paul. Indeed. In in that, you know, much like you and I have, have done this um, on several occasions, we, we've, uh, we've talked to Tori Amos, which mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily fit in. Uh, we've talked Les Mis, which doesn't necessarily fit in. That's, that's right. You still owe me a watch of the movie, so we can palaver about oh, that, by the way. that's right. I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and and now we're going to talk about, about Barry Manilow. And, you know, so for those of you who are sticking with us, thanks. Appreciate that. I thought it might be fun, Paul, to to maybe go through our attachment to Barry Manilow. And, and I want to say... This all stems from you. I think you were the one who sort of opened our eyes to the joy that is Barry Manilow. Is that true? I, wow. I think so. Wow. It's crazy to think that. I mean, I get credit for King's X and Barry Manilow. Wow. Yeah. I'll, I'll take um, Dada. You get uh, King's X and go. Barry Manilow. That's, okay. that's fair. That is. Yeah. I, I mean, I, so, you know, I'm the youngest of four and my, you know, I have sisters that are six, seven, and eight years older than me, and as a part of their vinyl collection, which gave me such beautiful gems like Duke and Abacab and Hemispheres and Permanent Waves and Yes Songs, there were also a plethora of Barry Manilow albums that, <laughs> uh, that were in there, and they loved Barry Manilow, especially, and I don't, I don't necessarily know that, you know, she loved them more, but my sister Debbie, my eldest sister, who not only saw the Yes tour in the round for Termato at the Spectrum, but um, also was a huge, huge Barry Manilow fan. And the last time I saw Barry Manilow live with my sisters, my sister Debbie was weeping during <laughs> during many parts of the show. So. So um, but yeah, so it was it was somewhat of a family affair in the Zotter house. Um, I do remember us all gathered around the television when we first got cable, and there was a Barry Manilow concert on one of the cable channels from Pittsburgh, which of course is my parents' hometown. And you know he was he performed half the show in a Steelers jersey, and um, and uh, you know I, that is just a, a memory that um, that I have, and so for sure. I've been a Barry Manilow or say a Fanilow for <laughs> pretty much my whole life. And um, there are uh, there are moments in in uh, in my uh, 
in my own creative life that I that I credit to Barry Manilow and certainly an ins- an inspiring vocalist and arranger for um you know in his own right. So so yeah, and I don't I have really no idea at what point in time my Fanilowish uh, crossed over to uh, to you and the rest of the guys, but uh, but yeah. I don't exactly remember when it was. I think it was near the end of our college days or shortly before I moved to Texas or shortly after I moved to Texas because somehow I I, I don't exactly remember everything, obviously, but there was the the Manilow box set that came out oh. somewhere around that time. Yes. And there was there was one song and, it, and I, I have to I have to fess up that I have not actually listened to Barry in quite some time. But there was one song that he did like this really scaled back, very dramatic um, reimagination of. And I want to say, you know, because obviously growing up when we grew up, you knew who Barry Manilow was, you know, that you would, like you said, through your families, you would hear him. He was on some of the radio stations. But there was this one particular song, you're like, oh, this is great. Something with magic, maybe? I was going to say, I think it's Could It Be Magic. Yeah, Could It Be Magic. I and, just got and, chills thinking about about that. Yes. Yeah, and I yeah. I remember that's that's like the first active Manilow memory I have of you saying, mm. you know, listen to this. This is this is cool. And from there I was like, yeah, let's let's just go with Barry Manilow. And I want to say it it was around the time and and we've invoked Barry. I invoked Barry on the mm-hmm. last couple fish episodes. Yeah. And it was around that, somewhere around that time, and I could look this up, but it doesn't really matter, that um, Here at the Mayflower came out. Yes. And I started getting into, you know, the, the Barry catalog. You, you go out and you buy things. There's, um, there's sort of the, the, the Jazz Club album he has that came yeah. out shortly before, excuse me, Here at the Mayflower. Um, just all kinds of stuff. And this was, you know, when I moved to Texas, obviously, shortly thereafter, I, I met, you know, my ex-wife. And... And she was a very willing participant. And mm-hmm. I remember she and I saw um, the, I believe it's the only time I've seen Barry Manilow. We saw him at the, whatever the auditorium is at SMU. We were sitting up sort of like on the front of the balcony and and it was, it was a fantastic show. And, you know, say what you want to about, about Barry. The guy's a, a baller songwriter, singer, performer. I don't like I said. It's not that I hadn't wanted to see Barry before then. Um, I just think things never really worked out. I never got to yeah. see him again. Well, it was tough because I think there was a span of time where I don't know that he was performing as much, or maybe he was performing outside of the sor- circles that we would normally attend. And we were quite busy in our teenage years, uh, you know, seeing other artists. Oh, and, yes. um, and there seemed to be a span of, of time for me where I rarely went to see concerts. Um, uh, mostly probably in my twenties, I feel like, because this is not the time that concerts became like ridiculously expensive. I and, think um, so. of, co- of course I had no money. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we, or, or we, we didn't have all the free time to, to wait in line. Cause I think that was yeah. before the advent of online buying and, yeah. and everything else. And, you know, waiting in, in ticket lines was, was a teenager's game. It definitely was. It definitely was. So it does beg the question, um, you know, when you think about here at the Mayflower and some of the other like thematic records that Barry's done in his in his later years, 
Is there any moments where you would consider Barry Manilow progressive? Wow, that's a great question. With the exception of perhaps the conceptual nature of Here at the Mayflower, or... I, I, that, al that I, almost comes across as a musical more so than a... Yeah, exactly. Than, yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I don't think even I can justify, you know, putting Barry under the Prague flag. I, I don't think I can do it. I would agree with that. I agree with that. However, the uh, original version of It Could Be Magic or could it be magic is, whew, I mean, it's up there. It's up there. <laughs> it's decidedly different from the reimagined version. No doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I've got significant Barry Manilow, both on CD and on vinyl. Nice. And so uh, yeah, I, the, the, vi the vinyl is where I need to step it up. I've been living off of that box set for some time. And what's really amazing about the progressive palaver is that, you know, for so many artists, I have like a best of CD and, you know, or, you know, I've listened to things on Spotify and going through the greatest progressive rock bands album by album has really started me to do different things. So for instance, Led Zeppelin. So I missed the boat on Led Zeppelin. I got the box set in like 91, whatever it came out, 90. And that's my, what I have, what I've had of Led Zeppelin. And I'm one of the few people, and I think I've mentioned this a couple of times, that Zeppelin just doesn't do it for me, right? Like, I, I'm mad respect and, you know, completely acknowledge their place in rock and roll history, but they generally bore me to tears. And and so um, I've received a lot of heat for saying things like that. And my friend Dave Armstrong, who I inherited about 350 vinyl records for when he retired and moved to uh, Hilton Head, suggested to me, during the pandemic, actually, he's like, Z-Man, you need to do Led Zeppelin the way you do your podcast. He said, you need to go, put that box set away. He was like, <laughs> you, you need to listen to the album, you know, in order. And sure enough, when I listened to Zeppelin, one, two, three, four, et cetera, it was a wholly different experience in really? understanding the band and the development of the band. And, um, gave me a much better appreciation. I think, I still think cashmere is a snoozer, but, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know, and I, and I've started to do the same thing with Bruce Springsteen because again, I've never really had an appreciation for his career, just his, you know, greatest hits or whatever. So right. I need to do that with Barry Manilow for sure. Start picking up some vinyl and, uh, and, and squeezing that in. And generally speaking, in my experience, Manilow vinyl is, is, pretty available because sure. there was there was a lot of it <laughs> you know it, it's it's not like um you know some of these sort of fringe bands that i normally like you know where maybe you know 100 people in the whole u.s liked them there aren't that many of those albums around everybody right. prior to us a lot of people were into barry manilow it's like yeah you know yeah yeah if you want to find helen ready records you can do it yep yeah I don't, but you could. You could. The other fun thing about Barry Manilow, and this is kind of surprising that we haven't seen him live more often than we both have, but he is an artist that you can usually convince women to go see. That's like true. it's not doesn't take much much you know twisting of arms. Yeah, um, to was, find a date. Yeah. Melissa was was really on board. Yeah, as I recall. Yes. So, so yeah, there you have it. All right, so that may that may say something more about my dating career than uh, <laughs> than anything else. 
All right. So you saw Barry Manilow last week, at least in real time from when we're recording this. No idea when this is going to come out. So, Paul, how did that come about? As I was looking to 2022 and wondering what, you know, what shall I do in 2022 to uh, get my ear off to a good start? I noticed that Barry Manilow was picking up again. Well, I guess he's been doing it all along, but he was going to be picking up his Las Vegas residency again in February. And I just, I floated it out there to Kathleen. I said, hey, what do you think about going to Vegas to see Barry Manilow in February? And as we just mentioned, she was like, let's do it. So I was like, okay. So without really thinking much about it at all, I bought two tickets. Nice. uh, To Barry Manilow. Um, You know, we we picked a, a weekend and... I figured, all right, we'll go Saturday. We'll fly out there Friday. We'll see the show Saturday and we'll fly back Sunday like normal palaver, you know, you know, and then I was like, well, I'll stay at the Westgate because that's where he's playing and we'll just make it really easy. And, um, and boom, just like that, we were like, okay, let's go. And we ended up making a slightly extended weekend out of it to, to do a couple more things. Also caught the Blue Man Group while we were there. Very um, cool. We should, which could we be, should a whole, be talking about the whole Blue Man Group. but that's Yeah, it could be a whole other episode right there. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, and so that's how it came about. I, I, you know, I, had, I wanted to, for, for various reasons, I wanted to you know, do something early in 2022. I love when, when things like that just kind of fall together, right? You're like, yeah. hey, this is an idea, and just boom, boom, boom. Oh, we can do this, and you know the other person's you know on board, and next thing you know, a week later, you've got plans, and you're off to see Barry Manilow. That's beautiful. It was beautiful. The prior time I saw Barry Manilow, I went with my sisters. I want to say it was 2017-ish, 2016-ish. I can't really remember. Part of the fun of seeing Barry Manilow at, at, at this time in life is – the excitement that builds up to seeing Barry Manilow uh-huh. and, and it almost, I, I almost become adolescent with my <laughs> anticipation and celebratory, you know, things in 2016, 17, whenever it was, I was literally posting on like Instagram and Facebook, like pictures of Barry Manilow in his heyday with like memes that said 10 days to Manilow. I found <laughs> a fan of the license plate. I posted to put him at me. So like, and and that's half the fun is like telling everybody at work, oh, you know, I'm going, going to Vegas. They're like, oh, what are you doing there? I'm seeing Barry Manilow. Right. And they're uh, like, what? Know, <laughs> as I, at work, as the week before, as I was going through the, the four days, the three days I was going to be out of the office and I was declining all of the meetings on my calendar that, um, you know, that I was going to miss, I would, I would post a, you know, send them say, hey, sorry, I'm going to be on vacation. And I would put a picture of Barry Manilow on my, uh, on my email. So it's just, you know, it's just part of the fun to, you know, of the anticipation. So now in this anticipation, and, and we've talked about this with, with other groups that we've talked about, right? Because a lot of the artists that we are interested in, follow, go to see, well, they're all getting older. Barry's mm-hmm. no exception. He's 78. He's 78 years old with the anticipation and obviously going to Vegas for an extended weekend adds to all of that and everything else. Was there any trepidation, Paul, of what am I going to get? So, you know, when I saw him in 2017, I'm just going to say it was 2017. He was at the Wells Fargo Center. I was with my sisters. He he played the tightest 72-minute show I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he came out. It was 100% entertaining. 
and I was blown away at the performance, but I was also, it was also remarkable how short it was. Right. Mm -hmm. And there was, there was no nonsense show was done. It was still light outside, I think, (laughs) um, because it was like in the early fall. But what I, what I had trepidation for is it's been stupid cold here in the Philadelphia area in the, in the beginning of February. Work's been somewhat of a, a ball buster. January was crazy. Um, you know, I had COVID at the beginning of January. Th- there was this sort of like, ah, just blowing off steam, just needing to get away. And every day in Vegas, we, we actually um, went to the Red Rocks. Uh, uh, Red Rocks, uh, is it a canyon or valley? I don't know. The Red Rocks uh, Canyon Valley Park. But it's, it's fucking amazing, this place. It is just so beautiful. We went there two days and hiked. And it was 70 degrees both days. We're out there in our shorts and our hiking boots, and we're just doing our thing. We went to the Hoover Dam in Lake Mead. We did, a, we did the, the railroad uh, trail off of Lake Mead Park that goes through the tunnels that they dug to, you know, for the railroad to take all the supplies to the Hoover Dam site. It was just like, like three amazing days. We had a couple of great dinners. We saw the Blue Man Group, and they were spectacular. So... On Saturday, when we went out for our hike, there was a little bit of trepidation. Like, you know, I don't know that I don't know that Barry Manilow is going to be the best thing that happens this weekend. Wow! You know, it might it might just be? Yeah, there he was. We saw we saw the show. So there was trepidation, not like the trepidation I would have felt had I gone to see Genesis to to watch Phil Collins sit in the chair and do that, but definitely the trepidation that you know this may not be the highlight of of the trip. Well, that sounds like a a reasonable sort of trepidation. So, and this was the first weekend he was back. So he stopped around Christmas. Okay. And then, and then this was his first weekend back at the Westgate. So who knows, you know, early, early part of the concert, you know, early, you know, the series of his, of his shows. So who knows what could happen? So, so, so that being said, and maybe we can kind of cut to the chase and, and you invoked Genesis and Phil Collins. And we had obviously a very long palaver um, about that, you know, the, the down tunings and, and everything yeah. else that goes along with that. You and I have talked sort of offline about the, the, the tight short set, but just from a technical perspective is, is, and this is going to sound terrible, is Barry on the Phil Collins end of the spectrum or the John Anderson end of the spectrum these days? I would say the John Anderson awesome. end of the spectrum for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so technically, the, it was it it was what you wanted to hear. Yes, I mean when you so when Barry goes up for the high notes at the end, and remember, like we're talking about Barry Manilow, there's like usually two key changes in every song. So you know, it, by the nature of his songs, they start you know in the lower register and then they build yeah. you know to the to the epic ending. And a couple of the epic endings, you know, he'd get a note and he'd hold it, and you know, maybe you know, just uh, it would just. I don't want to say it was pitchy, but it wasn't quite, you know, what you would expect. But he, you know, it didn't matter. He held it. He put his arm out. And then, you know, he'd do it like sort of the signature at the end where, you know, he'd cue the band and put point into oh, the yeah. you know, center stage and the band would end. And his gait looks like the gait of a 78-year-old <laughs> man. He's a little stiff and he's not quite, you know, it's not quite as – but he's delivering. And when he sits at the piano – and starts a song and sings, you know, in the regular register, it's just, it like, it like takes you back. It's really not that different from, from, you know, very much 
the case, like when you listen to John Anderson saying, you're like, yeah, that's, that's him. It's great. Well, John it's Anderson great. now, because we've, we've talked yes. at length that there well, was a sure. period where John Anderson was not John Anderson, but True. somehow miraculously yes. now he is. Hey, yeah, exactly. So, so yes. So that sounds great. And, and yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's wonderful that, that Barry still has the ability to do that. I mean, I think about these people. I mean, honest to God, when I'm 78, I, I hope I'm still breathing and just sitting on my couch getting fatter every day. Yes. You know, right? this idea of of working this hard, you know, into my late 70s is just terrifying to me. Um, yeah. I admire that these that the all these guys are willing to do it, but it's not not what I aspire to by any stretch. It's it's really amazing and it's and when when I saw him in 2017, you know, he I guess he had not toured for a long time and he came back and he mentioned at that show he was like he just felt like he had to come back. He felt like like he needed there needed to be more joy and happiness in the world and and he wanted to spread that and and maybe that's his 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 code for, you know, his retirement funds were running low. I don't know, but <laughs> but you know, it 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 is 100%. I mean, and and listen, the show is 100% rehearsed and canned and I and I'll tell you about it. It's fantastic. But all of it is so genuine the way it comes across and and you know, there's some um some self-deprecating humor that he that he puts in there now which is just fantastic. So Cool. Yeah. Before yeah. we get into the show and and the the staging as it were, Vegas residencies not known to be the cheapest in the world. How how much is sure. Barry padding his retirement? What um, what yeah, put you back, Paul? <laughs> I, I I I do want to say that when it was all said and done with Ticketmaster, it was just north of three hundred dollars for two tickets. Oh shit, that's not bad at all. No, it could have been worse. Like you know, and and the fun part about Vegas residencies are, are these venues are fairly small, right? Yeah. So. There's there's really not a bad seat in the house, and um, the Westgate venue is sort of like you know like half a bowl, and there's a um, a bottom section, mm-hmm. and we were we were in like the last row of the bottom section, right to the to the left of the mixer. Okay, and um and there were two little like VIP spots really close. Those tickets were way more expensive. There was a slight balcony, and then there was a there were some cheap seats behind us. You know, I was tempted to pay, you know, I, I could have paid a hundred to $200 more, uh, overall, but, I, and I was tempted to, to get a little closer, but, you know, thinking Vegas venues, probably small. I, I went with where I went and they were, it was terrific seats, terrific seats. And there was quite a bit of production. So sitting where we sat gave us a full view of, okay. of all that production. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny, right? Cause you know, sometimes and this is all part of being older and appreciating different things, right? Because when we were yeah. teenagers, you wanted to be six rows from the stage. You wanted to like, you know, feel the body heat. And now you're like, it, you can kind of pick and choose, right? Because there are some bands you want to get that perspective and and see everything. So yeah, so that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you when you hear about people paying, you know, five hundred dollars a ticket for you know, cheap seats to see the touring version of Hamilton. Right. You know, yeah. it, it, this doesn't seem like a bad deal to me at all. Not at all. Not at all. So, so how, how is Barry accompanied 
in in this environment what's what's the what's the band set up what's the stage look like okay so first before we get to the stage the very first thing that happens in most places that i go to in vegas is let's find the bar and grab a drink okay so we walk into the theater and there's a pretty sizable bar with a with a half decent line but they they've turned the entire bar of this venue into the copa bar awesome so so there are um Barry Manilow photos and albums all across the back of the bar and pictures of Barry from his career throughout and a big, beautiful sign that says, welcome to the Copa bar, get a free Copa glass with your drink of, of these custom drinks for only $18. Right. And of course the custom Copa glass is one of those fun little fancy, like, uh-huh. you know, glasses, plastic glasses with a little light at the bottom where you turn the light on sure. and, it bl- and it blinks, you know, you could choose from drinks such as I made it through the champagne, right? <laughs> or the, the Manolini, right? Which is like a, uh, a you know, a, 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 yeah, what do you call those or a martini? things? The, the Cosmopolitan teenies, yeah, yeah, whatever. The Pina Colola, right? Or as I had, the Manolos Manhattan, of course. How could I get anything but the that? The Manolos Manhattan, that is awesome. Yes. Yeah, and then you get the uh, the glass. I don't know if you can see that. You know, oh yeah, the glass uh-huh. that, that blinks while you're drinking it. It's just fun. It's just a fun little thing. That's that's a big so, fucking Manhattan you got there, my friend. It was it was pretty large. It was <laughs> it was it was a double. Was so, it uh, um, was it dry or sweet? I'm just curious. It was sweet. Okay, it was sweet. Yeah, and um, and it was eighteen dollars, right? So, which is fine because honestly, I mean, you're not spending. You're ordering a Manhattan these days anywhere, and you're you're generally paying somewhere. Between, you know, 10 and $15 anyway. Exactly. So, so five bucks for a plastic glass that, that lights up. I've already had some fun with it at home. So, <laughs> so, um, bonus. The, so the setup the, for the band is not unlike I've, when I saw him in 2017, there is, and, and the cool thing about the Vegas is the show, you know, because it's a residency, there's a lot more, I think, production that he can do. So the stages all move, right? So oh, cool. you've got, got a, you've got a drummer. And a percussionist, and they're all, you know, sort of plat- glassed in with their little with their little realms to keep the stage noise down. And and then on on the side, there was the um, a, the bass player and the guitar player, and they and actually, as I say that right now, I don't even remember seeing the bass player. So now I question whether there was a bass player or just two piano players. <laughs> but but that whole section of the stage would sort of come out and, and connect with the other side of the stage and present like a whole backdrop of, okay. of musicians, or it would clear out and then they would use the center stage for various things. And then on the other side, there was, there was a drummer, percussionist, rhythm section with a keyboard player. On the other side, another keyboard player and um, some horn players and uh, three vocalists. And then this was sort of, so this kind of wrapped around Barry and the vocalists were sort of on a, a small stairwell in front of the horn players. So they were able to come down and do some dancing uh, with Barry. And there were two women and a male vocalist. And, um, and then Barry sometimes had a, a grand piano in on the middle of the stage. And sometimes he was just out there walking around and, and as would happen, the stage would separate the piano would, you know, come out uh-huh. and the stage would come back together or stay separated or it would, move back and then the stage would close around around Barry and then behind all of that was a you know full 
the full size of the backdrop was a video screen. It wasn't like a tiny little screen. It was okay. like the full. And then there were an extension of those on the two sides of the stage, you know, sort of in front of, of the band. So as the video played, it would sort of spill over into the side. And the cool thing was because it was the venue size that it was, you never really needed to have the band or Barry on the video, right? right. So the, vid the video would just be background or different lights or things like that. It was part of the show. It wasn't like a video so you could see Barry. Cool. Yeah. Just because I want to, to say the word, uh, Barry is not a Busendorfer piano player, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Hard to tell from where I was, but I don't think so. I don't think that he is. Um, but it would be nice if you had seen a Busendorfer. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I just can't help myself. What can I say? Hey, you, why, why, why try? Why so try? It, it sounds, you, you know, I mean, a, again, Barry's music generally is staged with a large ensemble like this. From a, a qualitative perspective, did everyone seem to be engaged? I mean, were the were the parts interesting enough or was there some guy literally just sitting there plinking a key or something. Oh no, you know, for sure. The, the, you know, two piano players covering a lot of, of work. I think, I think, um, you know, there are some like orchestrations. So I think at some points in time, the one piano player was probably doing more like strings and things like mm -hmm. that. You know, the, the fun part is like, sometimes you just lose the musicality of the arrangements in the, in the greatness of the shows. But there are some wonderful moments, you know, at t especially at the end of the songs. And I will say, I, I want to go back and listen because I think, you know, at the end, there's these big bombastic endings. And I think sometimes they would, they would do these great transition chords that would actually bring the key slightly lower okay. for, for Barry. So when he hits that top note, it, it, you know, it was a little bit more in his, in his wheelhouse. Um, so, but yeah, the guitar player switching guitars throughout the, you know, he had a PRS, he had an acoustic and you know delivering what was needed each time and the background singers you know not only were they just fabulous um in, in their vocals but they would they were you know they did the background singer job they were dancing every every song they would come out and it was great because you know there would be times in the in the concert where he, barry would turn around and he would make a gesture to them like come to me yeah and they would come down the steps and then they they would dance with him and everything like that and they would they would walk across the stage and that was really the the, the greatest thing like this guy's 78 years old and you know he's he's you know he his dancing is very you know like i said it's very small and very in, but he would walk across the stage with them he would walk across the the other to the other side and there was actually one time where they're sort of dancing to one side and then they move to go to stage left and and the, the singers are ahead of him and and he goes hey wait for me wait for me i'm the star here you know it's just like it's really funny it's just really so yeah everybody was engaged and um and you know every song has an introduction like he talks you know the the coolest thing about this show is he covered his entire career he you know he introduced himself at the beginning of the show and he said, just in case you don't, you know, know about me, he was like, and he starts talking about like where he came from. And, and as he would, as he would talk, you know, talk through as much as it was canned, you know, he would, he would talk through whatever he was talking through. And then he would shout the person's name in the band who was starting the song, whether it was the guitar player, the keyboard player as a cue. And, and they would, you know, and they would start in and he would just start singing the song. So yeah, totally engaged band, totally engaged environment all around. Awesome. 
This sounds just absolutely lovely. And yeah. I guess the, the the set list is still a very tight, tidy, short, relatively timeline. It was it was a ninety minute show, which was 90? really okay. Yeah, really awesome to see that it was a longer event. But and I found a set list from December, which is not one hundred percent on, but I can you know I can speak to you know what what's done because it's pretty close to what to what I saw. Okay. Yeah, I mean he comes out and starts with "It's a Miracle," which you know to me there's only two songs that really should be starting a Barry Manilow, Manilow show, and it's either "It's a Miracle" or "Daybreak." Yeah. So he did him one and two. Okay. And um. And, you know, it just gets everybody going and it's fun and it's exciting and it's just, you know, a, a classic. And like, it's kind of also tongue in cheek. You know, here he is, 78 years old, yeah. playing in Las Vegas. It's a miracle, right? So, you know, there it is. He sort of walked through his career. He talked a little bit about who he is and, and what he did. So it's a miracle, daybreak. I think he went right into looks like we made it from there. Okay. Um, and, you know, got on the piano right away and, and started delivering. It was just like, and, you know, and like, listen, like I'm one of the younger guys in the crowd here at this show. Right. So, so, you know, he starts playing it and there's a collective, oh, across <laughs> the audience, you know, I mean, it's just wonderful. It's, and so then what's cool is he talks a little bit about his, his life growing up in Brooklyn. And he talks about how, talks about how now Brooklyn is like sort of a, fun, you know, poshy place and people go there from Manhattan. He's like, but when he grew up there, it wasn't, wasn't that great. It was tough. He was working class. And he talked about his grandfather taking him across the Brooklyn bridge into the city to do, you could put a quarter into a machine and you could sing into this machine that would give you this little tiny vinyl printout record really? of whatever, whatever, whatever it was. And he, and he talked about doing that. And he, he talked about how his grandfather was really the, the person who, you know, first, you know, thought about his, his talent, right? When he talked about that, he actually said that they have a recording of him singing, Barry Manilow singing when he was like five or six with his grandfather on one of these booths. So they played that. And then um, he did a, uh, he did Brooklyn blues oh. dur during that. So he sang that. And during that time, they separated the stage and they had all of these um, videos of Brooklyn behind mm. and, and, you know, the bridge and videos of him and his father. And then at the end of it, they played the same little blurb of him and his father singing or grandfather singing. And it was just it was just cool. And it was a production level that I have never seen from from him before. It was yeah. just was really, really exciting. And then he, he kind of went right into um, and I may get, be getting the order wrong. He talked about, you know, his grandfather being the first person that ever, you know, recognized his his talent. He said, so, you know, when I play this next song, you know, I think of of him when I sing it now. And it was this one's for you. And it was it was just I mean, that song is so great. Yeah, it was. I mean, there. I mean, like there's something about Barry Manilow that seems to make the women cry. Right. I mean, and it's so funny because he's got that <laughs> line and he's got that line. And I write the songs. But like literally, uh, this one's for you's playing, and I'm looking around, and I'm <laughs> like, the <laughs> ladies are weeping. It's like, okay, this is awesome. You know, it was, it, and 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 like, and like to me, for whatever reason, that's just incredibly inspiring. You know, like to to, to be able to all make these that connection. Years. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then like the other great um, piece of production was he did 
This Is My Town, which is a newer song in his album of like, you know, Brooklyn. I forget what his new album's called. It's something about Brooklyn. It's, um, and I think, I think the album may be called This Is My Town. And in classic, you know, Barry Manilow form, like, okay, here's a new song. You guys don't really know this and probably not going to like it. So let me, um, let me give you 3D glasses and I'm going to, I'm going to present this song with a 3D video behind, <laughs> behind me. So we're all standing there with 3D glasses on and we're watching. And it was, um, you know, again, from a production standpoint, fan- just fan- fantastic. So, I mean, is, is, is that just a stroke of genius to, to basically distract everyone, as you said, from a song they don't know and maybe don't care about with the 3D gimmick? Because yeah. I'm assuming he didn't do that any other part of the show. For sure not. For sure not. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. It was, it was, it was very, it was genius and it made it fun. And, um, and yeah, it made it interactive and engaging. So instead of being like, oh, here's the new song I don't know, I'm going to go pee. Right. You know, you put the 3D glasses on and you, there's something you know, to experience. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, which was great. So he, you know, he did even now, which was, which was really terrific. Oh. And he, you know, he did not do weekend in New York, which I thought was probably the only, you know, miss of, of the evening, particularly when I think about the song that he replaced it with. However, we'll talk a little bit about this part. So one of the, <laughs> so, I mean, it just, I can't express to you the joy that it was to see this, this 78 year old version of Barry Manilow having so much fun yeah. with the audience, the way he talked to them. There was one point in time where the song ended, everybody got really excited and, and at one point in the night, he went the, the early on in the night, he went to, you know, stage left in that sort of, you know, special side where, you know, people certainly paid more money to sit and they're like right at stage level. And he's like, and they're like dancing and their hands are going up in the air. He did the same thing on stage, right? Which is my side. And the people were just like dead. Like they were just like really? not, not responding. So he just like kind of ignored it. So so at one point in time, the song ends, the lights go out, and then like all of a sudden, the spotlight goes on stage right, and he starts talking like immediately, like it was complete black. Then boom, Barry talking, and he starts saying something, and he stops and he looks over to those people and he goes, "Huh, I scared the shit out of you, didn't I?" So he, so he was just, so he, he sat down and he talked a little bit about his career and he talked about how he left New York and he went to California and he was trying to write songs and he was writing all these songs. And he's like, one day he finally heard, you know, his, his first song that he had ever heard himself on the radio. And one day he just heard it and he was like, wow. And he did this big, long, like intro to hearing this song and the way it made him feel. And of course he does this like elongated instrumental, like, Dun, dun. And then he starts playing I'm Stuck on Band-Aid, which was his jingle that right. he wrote, you know. And so everybody laughed. And then he sang, which I didn't know, he wrote the State Farm jingle, you know, Like a Good Neighbor, State Farm is there. I don't know if and I remembered that one. I, I remember the Band-Aid and I remember what the, he did the McDonald's jingle, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. So the funny part about the, the State Farm is he started playing it and the whole audience sang it. And and he was just like, wow, he was like, see, he was like, that must that was must have been a good song. Everyone still knows it after after all these years. So he he talked about that. And then he um, he talked about the fact that he wrote, could it be magic? And he started 
the slow version that you and I were talking about before. And he said, and he wrote this, this, you know, very slow version. And and then he talked about the fact that Diana Ross did sort of a dance version. And he, and he talked about, he very, very casually said, he was like, you know, and I heard that version. He's like, and I really didn't like it very much. He was like, I thought, what, what are they doing to my song? And he goes, and then it went to number one and I loved it. He was like, (laughs) I, I absolutely loved it. So, so they did sort of the, they did sort of the disco dance version of could it be magic and uh, and that was that was pretty great and then he talked about you know doing the four seasons let's hang on and he sang that hit in in the 80s and he did that he talked about the jingles he talked about um so the song that he did probably instead of weekend in new england he said he hasn't done this song in a while he decided to do memory from cats oh and he's, so so he did he so did he did memory the, yeah I is that not. that's right? Memory. Yeah, la, la, yeah, yeah. La, la. yeah, 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 yeah. So he said everybody. He said everybody did a version of this song. He was like, but the only two that were popular were like his version and Barbara Streisand's version. And he said, so it must have something to do with having a very large nose. And um, <laughs> and he was joking around. And the funny part was, before he played the song, he basically trashed Cats as a musical. Like he just said, like it's the most popular musical. He's but really, it's like kind of dumb. And he said, and it's 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 really not that great of a musical. So then he does this version of Memory that, you know, like I take it or leave it. That that could have been you know my bathroom yeah. song, but I stayed there. And you know, yeah, I and, think I, you know, I would rather hear Weekend in in, in New England myself. Yeah, but. for sure, for sure. But he, but it was a fantastic version, and everybody just seemed to like melt over it. And it was this big bombastic ending. Everybody la- went nuts. And then he he was like, oh, he was like, thank you very much. He's like, I take all the bad things I said about cats before the <laughs> before the song. So he, you know, it was just that kind of uh, of interactive show, and it was so great. He, I think, I want to say he dedicated. I made it through the rain to all of the um, frontline uh, healthcare workers, and um, you know, and that was that was nice um, talking about how how much work they've done to get us through the last. Um, couple of years and you know just his general message that you know things are getting better and they will get better and we'll make it through which there's no other real way that you can you can uh, deliver that song and i think also you know i think the unspoken part he you know just he sort of casually mentioned over like some you know like all of the things that he's gone through in his life and and you know he's he's been able to make it through you know whether it's been you know his success and his up and downs with success up and downs with relationships, it, you know, his sexuality. I'm not, you know, not, there could have been a hundred things that he said, but he didn't say about, talk about any of it. He just, you know, basically acknowledged that we all have up and downs and, yeah. and, you know, he, that song still means a lot to him because of, you know, everything that he's been through in life, which was very cool. And, you know, I write the songs and I, Mandy was in there somewhere. I can't really remember. I think it was probably more at the beginning of the show, but I write the songs was kind of a, a big, end of show sort of thing. But the best thing about Barry Manilow is he, he doesn't fuss around with this nonsense about the encore, right? Oh, doesn't fin doesn't finish the song and then like, you know, go off state. Like he doesn't have time for that stuff anymore. So he finishes the song. It's, it feels like it's the end of the song, you know, he and the singers bow and then the song ends and then lights come up and he's like, who wants to hear Copacabana? Right. And then who doesn't want to hear Copacabana. So the, the best thing about Copacabana was that, you know, the whole, the whole night, there's this sort of shoehorn light rig Uh above the audience. 
and there's lights and there's things going on. But as they start Copacabana, the whole thing lowers down. So the whole place becomes a nightclub. Yeah. And there, not not only does the whole place become a nightclub, but there's a ramp at the front of this horseshoe. And Barry and the singers get on the ramp and walk up. And now Barry is now right in front of us at the at the top of the horseshoe. And people on the balcony now have front row seats to wow. him and his singers. And and that was probably the the most enjoyable thing to see him hop up on that horseshoe. And um and you know, there was a point in time while we were dancing and having a great time where I was looking at the guy who was the backup singer who is a young burly man, you know, and he was at that point in time was kind of leading the show. Like he was kind of, I don't want to say he was just bringing some sort of modernization in the, some of the vocals to Copacabana as a background. Cause at this point we were just dancing and having a good time. And I was like, I couldn't tell. I think, I think he's in charge <laughs> of like leading the song, the, the music, but I think he's also spotting Barry right now on, okay. the, on this like catwalk. <laughs> like, I think, I think it might be, you know, and, and there was another time where, you know, there was a staircase that was brought out. I think it was uh, Could It Be Magic? And and there's no ra- there's no banisters. Barry's just walking down the oh, steps okay. with, with with the background singers. And I'm thinking, yep, they're they're there to catch him just right. in, just in case. So um, safety. So first. I, I mean, you know, it, workplace safety is, is no joke, Paul. A- absolutely. And so then, of course, at the end of Copacabana, streamers everywhere. And um, then the lights come on. Get the fuck out. <laughs> uh, well, you know, they get off the stage. Streamers go everywhere. They, they're on the stage. He's acknowledging. And, um, and you know, what's what's great about, you know, the, the show, it's a tight show. Like Copacabana ends, you know, everybody's cheering. There's like that moment of like, ah, what a great show. And then boom, the band goes back into like the reprise m- instrumental of I Write the Songs, right? Oh, okay. And, and, you know, the singers go off. Everybody waves. Barry does his final bow. And uh, walks off the stage, and the curtains close, and the band ends, and and the show is is That's over. Awesome. You just don't get endings like that a- anymore. It's fantastic. In our regular podcast, right? We have at times, I know I have, and in, in, in personal life, railed on bands like Yes, you know, with having these sacred cow encore songs. Um, looking at you, Starship Trooper, and um, Roundabout. <laughs> Indeed. But is there a better way to end a Barry Manilow show than Copacabana? I mean, the place must have lost its fucking mind. Yeah, yeah I don't think there <laughs> is. And yeah, I mean, it is really, it, 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 it's the perfect, it's the perfect way to go, for sure. Well, see now, so I've got to drive down to, uh, down to Brian this afternoon, and I should be listening to live Queensryche, but I think I'm going to have to throw in some Barry Manilow. <laughs> it's very tempting. It's very tempting. <laughs> It's a three-hour drive. I can do both. There you go. There you it's, go. It's all good. Uh, now this this sounds absolutely awesome. I'm I'm happy that you got this wonderful opportunity. I'm sad I have not had that opportunity. What was uh, what was Kathleen's reaction? Oh well, well she um, is she is she a fanalo? Was she weeping? So you know the the fanalo discussion happened. I don't know a month three or four into our relationship. Um, cause it's kind of a milestone, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, you're compatible, you know, with your significant other. It could, it could um, have a significant impact, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, obviously she was game for going and, you know, she shared with me that, you know, it was a, it was also a family favorite and her, um, her sister and her mom 
loved Barry Manilow and her, her mother has passed. Kathleen was one of the ladies weeping in the audience throughout the evening, I think, just as much as a it's more of a nostalgic sort of memory and happiness, you know, that that overcomes them. So yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago, Kathleen's weeping. A couple of years ago, my sister's weeping. It's just yeah. it's something that happens. It's at, something that at, happens. At a Barry Manilow concert. Yeah. I, I I never obviously experienced this, but I do remember back in the day, I was probably eight, ten years old. Um it was near the end of, of Elvis's career. And my mother was one of those women who would lose mm. her freaking mind over Elvis. And yeah. I remember the guy she was dating took her to see him once. And she came back, I remember, because we have a couple, I, I still have a couple of, of really old, probably very damaged Elvis LPs from, from back in the family days. But I remember she came back from that show with like the, the tour booklet and she had um, she had one of those. Remember, Elvis used to have the scarves. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. she had an Elvis scarf. And, oh and I seem man. To recall, you know, and, and again, you take my memory for what it's worth. But I, I, for some reason, I have this impression of my mother as being one of the weepers, and I don't know if she communicated that somehow or <laughs> how I think I know that. But I, I have it in my head that my mother was one of those for Elvis Presley. So it's a tried and true age old tradition. Yeah, yeah. But love that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, if you think about, you know, the, the way you just described it, right, if if it's the amount of joy that's just overwhelming these people to the point of weeping, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. And this it, is why we love Barry Manilow. It is. It is why. You know, we, we can spend a month talking about Operation Mindcrime and all the dark corners of the world, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with just being so overwhelmingly happy that you weep. Absolutely. And I, and I have to say, like, I walked out of the show and I thought I was just like, wow, like everybody that I know should see this concert. So the, the trepidation that you had that Barry was not going to be the crown jewel in your extended Vegas weekend was not materialized. It was completely unfounded. It was <laughs> indeed the highlight of the weekend for me. Yeah. That is spectacular. I love yeah. it. All right. <laughs> I think we pretty much covered Barry at this point, Paul. I do think we have, yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, as always, I want to thank you for, for sharing the experience with me and with, you know, whatever five of our listeners um, <laughs> want to do this. Although, who knows, maybe this will open up a whole new avenue of fandom for Progressive Palaver. Maybe it will. Who knows? We have who never knows? hashtagged Barry Manilow before, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so we can uh, we can decide if we want to schedule another episode uh, for for Blue Man Group. Blue Man Group is is interesting. I I, I I've never experienced them personally. I actually I have a, a CD, but I don't think it translates without the visual aspect. So maybe yeah. we do need to talk about that at some point. But yeah, what CD do you have? I couldn't um, even tell you. Yeah, because there was a there was a uh, video that rolled around in the. I want to say the early 2000s. It was called The Complex, I think. And it was a video that they put on, like, you know, cable. And I guess it was like a promotion because they were doing some. And, and, um, and that's kind of, you know, I bought that DVD and I bought the CD and the, the songs uh, on there. I think, I think it's one of the weird, the, it's a great collection of tunes because it can, it can translate very nicely too. Cause they're basically like instrumental rock songs. And right. there's, Dave Matthews sings on it. The guy from Bush sings on it. So there's a bunch of different artists singing. 
And I think that's really how I first started to get into them. But this was the first time I ever saw them. And, and um, it's, it's weird because it's musical and it's fantastic, but it's also like a comedy show. Yeah. Um, they interact with an audience without speaking and it's um it's quite it's quite entertaining so and it was at the Luxor so got to be and in who there. who doesn't love the Luxor it's like everything else in Vegas it's not real but you know for for a short period of time i find Vegas to be very entertaining but yeah i i'm i'm just i'm thrilled to death that Barry can still bring it i'm thrilled to death that you got to see him and had such a great weekend so like i said we'll we'll connect up in the future about Blue Man Group but as always uh, I appreciate you uh, sharing the experience, and we've got other other special concert series in our future as well. So sweet, sweet. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you, and we look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. Have you seen Barry Manilow? Are you a fan Let us know. You can reach us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We are at ProgPala on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.